Hey Pottercast, it's Melissa. We hope at Pottercast that you are having a warm, happy, healthy holiday season with your family or anyone with whom you'd like to spend these days. We are on a little bit of a break, as you've probably noticed. We'll be back in 2019 with more Crimes of Grindelwald discussion, more classic Harry Potter discussion, and a whole revamp show coming at you soon. Maybe not the first episode of January, but soon thereafter. We've got a new look. We hope that you've checked that out on Pottercast.com. And in this interim period, we're sharing with you some of the amazing audio that came out of WikiCon 2018. We've got interviews with cast and creatives of the Harry Potter and Fantastic Beasts movies. This interview that I'm about to play for you featured Alison Sudol, who plays Queenie Goldstein in the, in the Fantastic Beasts films. It is moderated by Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion of the Ringer's Binge Mode podcast. If you have not listened to the Binge Mode Harry Potter reread, please do yourself a favor and go over there and check it out. Also, if you're a fan of Game of Thrones, they have lots for you as well. Jason and Mallory are very good friends of the convention and our podcast, and we're so happy that they w- conducted this amazing and thorough interview of Alison Sudol. Without further ado, enjoy, and we will see you in 2019. LeakyCon, what's up? Hello, thank you to so very, very many of you for That's being wonderful. here. This is awesome. It's wonderful. I'm Mallory Rubin. I'm Jason Concepcion. We co-host the Binge Mode Harry Potter podcast for The Ringer. It's a great website. And we are absolutely delighted yes. to be here today with the guest of honor, Allison Sudal. <laughs> yes. Hi. Yes. Wow. We will be spending the next 49 minutes discussing our respective favorite strudel recipes. And then there will be a bake-off at the end. But uh, seriously, you know her as Queenie Goldstein, of course. You know her from Transparent, for her other acting. You know her for her music, for her writing. So many talents. And we're very excited to talk about all of it today. Well, thank you. (laughs) Um, I'm just going to start out just right now saying I'm so nervous. And, and then I realized, though, backstage that, like, I probably couldn't be in a room full of more introverts. And so, <laughs> is uh, anybody in here an introvert? Just so we could see a raise of hands. Yes! My people! Okay, good. So, that makes me feel better. Anyway, thank you so much for coming to this. This is, I was expecting, like, 50 people. So, this is <laughs> thrilling. It's awesome. So, you got your start as a musician and performing uh, under your own name and under a Fine Frenzy for a while. Please, Thank you. Fine Frenzy fans. Um, <laughs> how did that lead you to acting and then to the role of, of Queenie? Well, I think for me, it's always been about storytelling. So um, when I was young, I was very shy and I, I loved to read. Actually, that was um, the escape that I had um, from a world that was quite overwhelming to me. And so, um, I started out writing, writing stories, and then when I got a little older, I started to sing, and when I sang, it was the first time that I actually felt brave. And, um, and so from, from singing, I just, I found this like, I don't know, this sort of like m- magic in the way that you can um, tap into an emotion through music, and, and, it, and it allows it to flow out of, out of you in a way that maybe like sometimes um, it, gets, it gets stuck otherwise, right? So um, the transition to acting was quite natural. I, I, I can't act as any role, but, but when, um, when something comes up, when there's a character that's really like um, be- beautiful to me, I, I just see it as another way of exploring like that person's story and, and a way of learning more about being a human being through somebody else. And so obviously when uh, I heard about Queenie, you know, my, I just, I fell in love with her immediately, and and it was just very um, natural. That's awesome. I'm inspired and moved. (laughs) That's beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. How did you and the creators find Queenie together? How did the character evolve from maybe what you initially heard the character was supposed to be or what you or anybody else initially saw on the page to what all of us wound up seeing on the screen? 
Well, um, initially, she was written as more of a, um, <laughs> a bombshell, like a room kind of thing. <laughs> um, but if, if she had been described to me like that, I would have never thought that I had a, a shot, because that's just not the way that I see myself. But um, the casting director, Fiona Weir, is just this, like, she's just a really wonderful woman, really smart and really sensitive. And um, she described her to me as, as an empath, as... Um, as a woman who who can read into people and who is incredibly loving and um, and uh, she loves to bake and and she's maybe considered by some as a beauty or something of that sort in that role but that's not the way that she sees herself and and so um, that's the way that I saw the role but apparently that's not the way that other people <laughs> that I think that other people thought she was a bombshell so I was doing something I was like singing a totally different tune to everybody else. And, um, and, and thankfully, you know, the, the, the creators of JK and, and David Yates and David Heyman, they saw something in me that, that they liked and they pursued it and the bombshelliness kind of um, lessened and her, her warmth was able to come out more, which I, I just, I love that that was able to happen. I, you know, I'll speak personally for, for me and why I responded so much to the character, but I suspect that a lot of people will feel similarly, and so it's interesting to hear you describe it that way. Mind control or mind reading, Queenie is a, has the power of legitimacy, and in fantasy stories, that can so often be portrayed as corrupt or evil, and so to see a character who has that ability portrayed as gentle, and empathetic and somebody who wants to use her power to better understand others and to help them understand themselves. I think that really resonated with people. And is that something that really appealed to the character about you? That's so cool. Um, you know, I think one of the beautiful things about Queenie, but it, it's actually also a bit sad. Um, and I don't want to make this sound like a downer because it's not, this is a happy time. But, um, but Queenie has this gift. It is a great power, right? Like it is something that is, that is um, inborn and it is a sign of a, a, a great witch or wizard. But she doesn't know that. She doesn't know that. So, like, f her whole life, she's been trying to be normal, basically. And, uh, and you know, like, cook and, and, and just, like, have a good time. And she has this thing that she's actually, like, not necessarily able to control, but also doesn't really recognize it as a power. So, um, in some ways, that's what makes her so endearing. But it is also... You know, as as a, a woman, especially, it's like an interesting growth um, thing that, like, a lot of the times, the thing that is the um, it, it's the most special about us is actually what we are the most self conscious about, or the thing that we think is like the oh, I just don't want to I want to acknowledge that part of me, and that's kind of what she's like. Mm. She, yeah, uh, I'm from New York, so I'm a great uh, connoisseur of. New York accents, particularly fictional New York accents, and I think your Queenie voice is, is wonderful. It's really good. <laughs> Thanks. Um, as a vocalist, did you, was, how did you find her voice, her actual voice? Mm, that's such a cool question. That's such a cool question. Um, so my, my voice, obviously, is a lower, <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and which is also something weirdly that's happened more as I get more in my skin as a woman, is like my voice has deepened into this thing, um, but, but um, uh, Queenie, uh, well, first of all, her lines had a lot of ain'ts in them, right? And, yeah. and uh, I ain't never seen a nomad before, was like, because how are you going to say, I ain't, never, wow. I ain't never seen a nomad before. If I say that in my voice, it sounds like wonky. So <laughs> I had to find a way to say it um, in the audition, even, like way early on. And, and um, I kind of, I don't know where it came from. There's certain, I'm not like some great dialectician. I yeah. can't just like, you can't just like, you know. But for some reason, this just, it came with her, essentially. And what was interesting about it was that uh, like I, I got paranoid, and I was like, "Oh, but I just kind of like, like channeled this thing, but maybe it's not an accurate accent." So I did all this work with the dialect coach, like all this work to make sure every vowel was right. And then I got on set the first day, and it was the strudel day, 
And I started, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which was, I'm sure we'll probably talk about it some way. But um, I was speaking, it was our first day um, of like actual filming, and uh, David was like, oh, David Yates, the director, I was like, oh, um, can we just dial back the accent, back yeah. to kind of what you were doing before we want to hear Queenie, not yeah. the neighborhood. And so uh, just whatever, I don't know, it was just like, some I don't know some somewhere in me there's a a girl from the 20s from Brooklyn. <laughs> you talked about uh, <laughs> apparently. You talk about your singing and music as being something like akin to uh, magic inside of you, mm -hmm. and I think um, that's a great way to put it. One of the themes of the first Beast movie is uh, the damage caused when somebody tries to repress their magic. Um, yes. As a yeah. person who um, writer actress musician who uh, has made a life out of really releasing the magic inside of you, what advice could you give to uh, people in this room who are maybe looking for that path to the magic inside of them? How do, how do they get there? Well, that's, that's again, you guys are good, you good <laughs> questions. Um, I have been, I have been doing a lot of personal work lately because, um, because I stopped making, I didn't stop making music, but I stopped playing live mm -hmm. as a musician about six years ago. And uh, I just, I just couldn't for a while. And so I decided to, to pursue acting and that has been like such an extraordinary ride and like really beautiful and deep and rich. But there was a part of my voice that I have actually suppressed the past few years. And like, I'm not quite ready to, I'm still working on it. I'm not quite ready to talk about like all the reasons that that happened, but it did happen. And um, what I've noticed recently is that by not actually like being myself and really speaking from my deepest truth, um, it's like a part of me is dying. And the thing about this world is that there is like this, it's, it's not spoken. It's not like something that you can like point your finger on and say like, oh yeah, people are telling me not to be myself or, or telling me to not like speak m my truth or, or do the things that I love. But like there is this strange feeling. Sometimes it's just a look that someone will give you or it's a reaction when you're doing something that is like really true to you that can be really devastating if you're a sensitive person. And I say that like, what I found is really important is really like getting in touch with who you really are and what you have to say and what you you feel is like something you want to celebrate about yourself and like cult cultivate that because when you're not using your voice when you are not like and I don't I don't mean they say it could be like cooking it could be um, it could be it could be this it could be um, that you secretly want to play guitar or you know what, whatever it is, but like if you're n if 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 you can cultivate that and like allow that to pass through you, you will be just so much happier in your life, and um, and I find that like as an artist and as an actress, the more that I allow myself to be, the more there is like room for my art, the better it grows. So this is a really long-winded answer. Wow. <laughs> Great answer. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, it's 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 getting much better. And like even talking like this to you is is like it's it's a really nice feeling. I feel like I'm gonna cry, but that way <laughs> I <laughs> also feel like I'm gonna cry. <laughs> but I'm gonna For try and give it together because I'm not wearing waterproof mascara. You, you so. see like my, my <laughs> eyeball twitch <laughs> telltale sign. Um, it's really moving to hear you share that. And one of the things that it makes me think of, something that Jason and I often talk about on the podcast, just when we're talking about why we love these stories together in Starbucks any given day, is the power of fantasy literature and fantasy stories for so many people is that yeah. you can find something in there that has just that degree of difference from your life but allows you to unlock something about yourself. And that's why so yeah. many people love this story. 20 years later, look how many people are in this room, and they will yeah, be forever, amazing. I think we yeah. can all agree. And so along those lines, and along the lines of what you were just saying, is there, is there a part of the story, whether it's Fantastic Beasts or anything else in Harry Potter, that sort of speaks to you most personally, that you connect with and identify with so many different elements of the story, examine something about identity and courage and choice and strength? 
Yeah, I mean, all of that, really. Like, I, I grew up reading these books, and, and I've also, I was like a total sci-fi nerd as a kid. Like, that's just what Strong I, same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, there's something so powerful about diving into a different world. And like you said, like, these, these the incredible stories and these characters and the, the possibility of these worlds, it's like, it's like it opens up doors within you that like the the regular world can make it seem hard to find the doorknob, you know? And um and I I mean I've learned so much from the Potter books and and I've learned so much from from being inside of of this uh world of being being able to be queenie and and um it's it's challenged me in a lot of ways personally to like step into that and but also just like Magic, just like simply the the idea, and even as an actress, where I'm like, I don't know how to close that door, and it's like, with my hands are full or whatever, and then just like, oh, I put my wand at it, and it just does it, you know? It's like those are, the yeah, it's it's the little things as well. We're quite fond of a scene uh, from Beast One, deleted scene, in which you and Tina uh, sing the Ilver Morning song. <laughs> yes. Uh, absolutely wonderful. What was Thanks. it like to do that scene uh, and? We need to get more of that. That was really quite charming. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I got a chance to co-write a song with J.K. Rowling. <laughs> <laughs> no <Nobody. biggie>. brag. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was, it was, and then she came to set that day, and I thought oh, I was going to wow. die. I was already nervous enough, and it was like, oh, my God, the queen is here. The queen is here. <laughs> um... It w I don't know if there's a, a, a you know if there's a more of a future for that and and it was a little bit tricky I think for the pacing of the film for them to stop and have a musical number when we're trying to you know we had some work to do um, but it was just it was a joy it was really fun and it was really fun with Catherine as well because she's not a singer and um, she's not used to that and it's hard enough as a singer to sing as an actress which is different than singing as a singer because. You're like your character may not necessarily be a good singer, so you kind of have to sing like they do, as opposed to, which is, my, but like, yeah. eh. um, but she was like really just really o up for it and really sweet, and it was a sweet bonding moment for us to sing that, and it was sweet with the the guys, and it was just a special day. That's awesome. So so going off a scene that involved both singing and acting. Songwriting, singing, musical expression requires such empathy, and so does this role. And so specific to Queenie, but also just more broadly, how do both of those crafts inform each other in your work? You know, how does your work as a musician inform your acting, and vice versa? Hmm. Like, I mean, it is kind of where I come from. It's kind of like the most informative thing, because if you play a character, you really need to... Um, you need to be empathetic towards them. You need to feel what they're feeling. You need to um, you need to think about their past and who they are, and 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 what in, informs the way they react to things. And so it, it makes you really porous to who who this person is. And um, and then like she's it's like a, to be empathetic playing an empath is like you're feeling what someone is feeling who feels everybody basically. Um, so it's multitasking, <laughs> spiritual multitasking. Um, but uh, I, th I think they're very related, you know, with songwriting and, and acting. They're just it's kind of the same place. The, what you just said about sort of the degrees that are involved in that particular role, we were really curious to hear more about that specifically, the, the, the challenge or maybe creative energizing experience or both. Um, of playing somebody who can read people's emotions and, and minds because you were forced by the very nature of that character to operate on numerous levels in every scene where you are conducting a conversation with somebody and you have to exist in that moment. But then you're also reading that person's thoughts and emotions and then you're susceptible to any other stimuli presumably around you in that room other people other things you can send so how do you like approach that and how do you balance all the different elements that your character is supposed to be feeling um it 
mentally, like, mm, sometimes I get done and I'm just like, I can't say my name. I don't know. Because <laughs> um, I'm not so good at multitasking as, like, a, a human, like, yeah. at all. And I, I just found out I have... Um, ADD, <laughs> so that's like that's like if any of you have that or you know someone's like so like to to then sort of focus but then like allow your focus to move around is like I don't actually know how I do it um, I do it for Queenie <laughs> um, but like I know that consistently I I looked at the wrong place for where the beast was I know that for sure like everybody was looking one way and I was like I just decided it was somewhere else. <clears throat> um, but uh, yeah, it just it takes it takes practice like anything else, and and what it what what it has done for me, and what I try to focus on is like Queenie's always looking out. Mm. She's looking. She's listening. She's um, she's tuning in, and so like there's not a lot of room for self consciousness in that. That's what I've discovered is like the the thing that just like just derails everything because if if I'm going like oh does my like you know arm look fat or something and like I'm trying to to um you know read Newt's mind and there's like strudel in the air or whatever it's not going to work so certain things just have to get out of the way and um and that's actually like a real gift because gosh so much I mean at least in my life I get stuck in my own head and it's like ugh much more interesting looking at everybody else and the magic and stuff. Uh, the Queenie-Jacob relationship is uh, one of the emotional through lines of the film. Uh, people love uh, that pairing. Uh, what was it like uh, finding that, that, that really the conversation, that chemistry, that heartbeat? Well, it's really easy because of, of Dan Fogler. I mean, he's uh, such First of all, he's just an extraordinary physical comedian, right? Mm. So he's he is charming. He's so and he's so charming in this role, and he had us all in stitches all the time behind the scenes, and so it was very easy to um, to work with him, and 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 that came very naturally to us. And and you know, it's just a sweet story, right? Like yeah. you want these people to be together, and it's such a dumb reason yeah. that they can't be right these it's hard enough to find someone that you connect with in the world so like to be kept apart because you're you know you're different from each other it's like pfft. but anyway it was a, it was a joy to explore that with him and yeah i think one of the most beautiful moments in the film i will probably cry now attempting to this is going to be really embarrassing wow <laughs> Do it. <laughs> we, we flew in last night, and I w- watched the first movie again on the plane, and I Aww. was just weeping in my seat in the plane and <laughs> watching it. But when when Jacob is about to retreat into the rain, and you two are having your farewell, and when he says, in essence, "Well, I was never supposed to know," like that is just yeah. such a devastating idea. And I think all of us have that moment when we end a film or we close a story of like what we're letting go of and what we're giving up. And so the moment at the end mm. when Queenie walks into the bakery and he hears the bell and he looks up and then, you know, we see the smile on his face. It's just, this isn't even a question. I'm just like <laughs> opening my heart here. <laughs> What's I, happening? I love but, it. I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> it's just such a beautiful moment. Beautiful. I mean, it is, what is it about that relationship in particular that you think resonated so much with so many people. Is it that we as non-magical beings can easily identify with Jacob? Is it just that it is so pure? What, what do you think it is that made people connect to it so much and root for that pairing so hard? I mean, what you just said, right? Like, it is um, it is so pure. And, and, and also, through Jacob's eyes, you get to see the wizarding world as if, like, you, any of us just, like, got dropped into this, like, totally extraordinary universe you know and and to to have seen that and then to have to willingly let that go is um oh yeah it's like heart-wrenching and then and then you just see this like this real real sweetness and you you can see that they have true um affection for each other and they really have things in common and they're like their their hearts are quite similar you know and 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 so I think we all just want that. We, who doesn't want to believe that love like that exists? I mean, that's why, you know, every great love story, that's why we, 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 we need that as human beings. We need love. 
We do, and we also need baked goods. We, need baked strudel. we can agree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How much strudel was consumed on set? You know what? Like, not nearly enough. <laughs> and not nearly enough, because it, it, it was one of those frustrating scenes where, like, <laughs> you know, you brought the, the strudel down, and it's down, and it smells amazing, and it's right. great, and then it's, like, cut, and then you can't eat it. Right. Who ate the Niffler? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, also, I do have to say, because I, as a fan, think this is pretty cool, that, um, you know, Jacob Bakery, at the end, that was real baked goods. Ooh. It was oh so like heady in there. Like I, <laughs> I was so I was just like, give me all the carbs, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and we couldn't eat those either. What was, was the so best? What was the, what was the best basic? Baked good, you think, of, uh, in your opinion? I mean, I wasn't allowed to eat any of them. Oh, that's not so awful. They, not, not even a tiny little, like, Demi Guys cookie? No. That's worse than Ask No, because they're props, right? Like, they're, I mean, they the are. scone? Yeah. There was, uh, oh, I almost just gave something away from the second one. I'm not oh. going to do it. I was like, I'm so relaxed, and then, yeah, I'm giving away all the secrets. No, no, I will not. I will get into so much trouble. <laughs> we'll steer you back to safety here. Thank you. <gasps> From the Queenie Jacob relationship that is one of the through lines and hearts of the film to another yeah. relationship that is one of the through lines and hearts of the film, Queenie and Tina. Mm. Really curious yeah. to hear how you guys approached simultaneously finding your characters as individual people who had their own lives and their own identities, but also finding that sisterhood and that relationship together and how you were gonna be able to bring both of those to the screen and convey it instantly because we don't have seven novels in our hands this time that right. tell us what the history of these people is and what they mean to each other. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and that was quite important to us that that was there, and and also like there's not a, I mean there's there's not a lot of time that we have a sister time. That's actually why that Ilvermorny song scene was so nice because we actually yeah. got like to be sisters, and you really saw it. But we we decided early on that it was going to be really important to just have like certain cues or certain things that we learned in our childhood so that you know you could just see or uh, that there is this relationship there but also i have to say like there's certain things that just happen naturally and and when catherine and i were doing our screen test um she had this like oh her hair was the best she had this like <laughs> just like really long gorgeous hair and she was so you know tall and cool and I was like wow you're amazing <laughs> anyway like little sister vibe right from the get-go and then um and then we 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 were put on this couch and then they were like and your sisters and we had literally <laughs> like met like five and a half seconds before and we were like oh okay and and but I just looked at her face and she looked she just had this look of like she'd been through it immediately like yeah. as Tina and uh I, I just I just started braiding her hair. I got behind her on the couch and just started <laughs> braiding her hair. And like, I don't know, there, there was just, everybody behind the camera was crying. Like, <laughs> I, I was crying afterwards for a while. I don't have a sister and I always wanted a sister and I've kind of adopted oh. my dearest friends as sisters, but that sister relationship is very important to me. So. You know, like, and then, and then in the film that, that translated as, like, you know, in the strudel scene, there's, like, a moment where we're talking to each other, and I'm kind of scolding her for making bad uh, food choices yeah. a tiny bit. But, like, you know, sh we, we taste things at the same time, and, and it was just those little moments. But it's really just, like, the, the undercurrent of sisterly love that we had to just lean into. That's wonderful. What were yeah. some of those, those cues that you came up with? Or was it mostly just in the moment kind of chemistry stuff? A lot of it was in the moment. Yeah, there is this moment where we taste something at the same time. Um, there was the way that we set the table, like she was setting yeah. the table yeah. and I was cooking yeah. and uh, and we, we had, I mean, that was wild. That was like proper ballet. And that was the first main scene that we shot. And 
we had like, you know, yeah. you do the you do the forks and I do the apples and you do the this and I do the that and and we we just had to uh, yeah, I don't know, it was just like the way that two people, two two siblings who lived together would make dinner every night. And yeah, you you'll see it if you or like if you look back on the scene in your mind's eye. <laughs> I, I see it very clearly, <laughs> as well as the strudel, which yeah. I also smell very clearly. Oh, gosh, <laughs> so good. Was it rewarding for you to get to transition within the course of just the first film from everything that you just described, sort of just the natural chemistry and rhythms of everyday life within a family unit mm -hmm. into, I guess what I would describe as like active protector mode, yeah. right? Because Queenie senses what is happening and she's like, I got this, here I go, yeah. right? And you... You, in your character, facilitates the escape from Makus. I spoiler alert. Everyone here's seen the movie. Okay. <laughs> um, was it cool to get to explore the different elements of Queenie's character just tonally? Because that, like, you need a very different energy to get out of the conversation with Abernathy and bring up the dude who's like cheating on his girlfriend and get all of that. <laughs> All of it, like, in your metaphorical case, while you also literally have the characters in the physical case. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was fun. It's fun because, um, like, in, a, in, a, in the Hollywood world, although this is, like, this, we make these in England, and it's done in different ways, so yeah. I don't really even consider it, like, Hollywood. But in, in the film world, there's not, like, a lot of... Um, opportunity for actresses to have roles that have like multifacets like yeah. we all do like w women like we are like multifaceted one moment you're like you're like uh, so happy and light and gentle and the next you're like you know <laughs> and and like and 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 but that's not really reflected in things and so it was really interesting interesting to see like with Abernathy her her play on like being kind of like wide-eyed and like oh you know <laughs> but you know now you've seen her like get them out you know that she's actually just doing what she needs to do to save them and and same with um you know calling calling Sam on on his uh not so cool ways to get through it's like it, she's she's smart She's much smarter than she even lets on. And it was fun to see that. And it's also fun because this is obviously like a long series to watch her, or to hopefully see like how she will come into her own mm. with that intelligence and with that strength that she we know she has in her. That gets us into something that we were curious to explore a little bit, which is as the franchise evolves, clearly, you know, just need to watch the trailers to tell this, the, the concept art, the posters, the film is darkening, the story is getting darker, the tone is shifting. And as the tone shifts in that direction, do you think that Queenie's particular abilities, that being somebody who can read minds and somebody who is an empath, is a gift or a burden, or are those not mutually exclusive? Um, the, yeah, they're not, I mean, I think that a lot of times the thing that is your greatest gift is your is the burden that you have to bear, especially mm. if it's a power, if right. it's, you know. Um, it's tricky, she's not so good with accents, and like, you know, we're in Paris, so you can imagine. <laughs> 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 it's like her, her power's a little, like her antenna's a little not, not picking up everything as accurately. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm interested because, like, I don't actually know what's going to happen in the future mm. um, for her. But uh, it's interesting to see her evolve in this film. And it was um, interesting to just, like, to keep tapping into her essence because, you know, like, we did the first film and then there was, like, a period of time where we were away. And then to, like, tap back into that and go, yeah. wow, she's in very different situations this time. And how how is she going to, like navigate that and who is she at her core and yeah so and that power is uh is very key uh, you filmed a, a delightful video for Pottermore about discovering your patronus a white stallion is there any <laughs> and a black stallion i got one at a, i got two whoa because oh. I, well because i don't think you're supposed to do two <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh we we had to do two because something happened 
something happened with something, so I did it. But I got a white stallion and a black stallion, which I thought was so cool. Because oh, awesome. I think that um, uh, my guy got like some sort of cat or something, Ooh. and I was like, oh, you got a cat? <laughs> I got a stallion. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any? Uh, I mean, cats are awesome, so it's there. Love cats. Yeah. Is yeah, there any cats. any particular aspect of the of the magical world that you find yourself drawn to? Yeah, I mean, tons, yeah. tons. I mean, I, I think that they're like the the spells obviously are so fun, and 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 like the the herbology side is really interesting. Mm. Oh. Um, and then I am uh, very passionate about nature, and yeah. and like it's super cool that there's like a really strong conservation message and yes. Fantastic Beasts, and yeah. like that the main character is a magizoologist, and like right. like yeah, biodiversity, which is yeah. like so <laughs> dorky. That's to, awesome. Yeah. But I don't care, because um, it's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, there's the, like, and also just like the um, the architecture and the sets of this world, like the yeah. way it looks and the way that it feels, and the the just like the the tiny details that are so alive in the Wizarding World that are just like really cool. It's just beautiful. Do you either you Allison or you Queenie or both have a favorite Fantastic Beast? Oh, yeah, I mean, it's probably, like, mean to choose one. Like, don't tell them. <laughs> uh, but just, be I do. just between just between us. Just between us. Just between all I of mean, these people. Like, I do, <laughs> I do have a really, um, just, like, uh, just, like, I have a weakness for the Niffler. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really cute. Did everybody like, see the baby Niffler picture oh, that come came on. out yesterday? Baby Niffler. I haven't actually seen that. Oh, I need to say it. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I have a four-month-old, or we have a four-month-old puppy, and she basically is like a Niffler. <laughs> like, I turn around. I so she's like a Niffler if if shoes were gold. <laughs> like, I turn around, and she's got, and like, the, and like socks as well, and she just likes, she just loves shoes. I'm like, don't be so, don't be a dog that loves shoes. But, but the jewelry is safe. Yeah, she doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> she, yeah, she doesn't like cats either. Like, cats and jewelry, not. Perhaps, oh perhaps the most fraught question we will ask you today, Ilvermorny or, or Hogwarts? Oh, oh boy. what? I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, okay, so, you know, like I grew up with Hogwarts. Yes, of course. And who didn't want to go to Hogwarts? Yeah. Like, it's, like, it sounds like the best place. And I always wanted to be in England as a kid. And like, that, that was just always my dream. So, okay, so Hogwarts is like a very deep-seated thing for me. But then, you know, like, Queenie went to Ilvermorny. And Queenie loves Ilvermorny. She loves it. She was out there with the trash talk right away. Yeah, loves yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> yeah, hogwash. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, I, you know, I mean, like, I, we haven't seen Overmorning, which is I'm the tricky thing. Right, right. And, but I, I kind of imagine it as this, like, you know, early 19th century building, like, out back east yeah. with, like, you know, woods and canoeing <laughs> and, and, like, and so I kind of, I, ki and I kind of have skewed now to, to Overmorning. Wow. wow! It's also got that great line in the song uh, that goes Massachusetts. <laughs> oh yeah, that was my little. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. It's great. <laughs> I'm glad you liked it. I was like, Catherine, oh, we have to the choo choo says the choo choo says, and I was I thought she was not going to do it, but she did it because she's a sport. Listen, I'll just say choo -choo. for the record, no safer place than Hogwarts where a student dies every year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Ilva morning, we had like we we were safe, actually safe. <laughs> um, we're gonna open it up in a couple minutes to the room, but just to 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 wrap this part of the discussion, we really want to hear a little bit about what's next for you, not in terms of Fantastic Beasts. We would love to hear about the upcoming album, Yay. and we would love to hear a bit about the story that you're working on. The the. And children's? Oh my goodness, yes. wow, you guys went deep. <laughs> um, if you care to share. Yeah, sure. Well, well, first of all, so like I, I alluded to earlier, um, I am coming back into music after a very long time, and I made a record while we were shooting the first Fantastic Beasts, actually, in between um, wow. 
on like on off days and stuff like that. And the studio was in Bristol, so it was like a lot of trains back and forth to Bristol, and and um, made this record that I'm very proud of. Which actually it's two EPs now, which is like shorter ones. Um, and the first one's coming out next month, um, which wow. I'm <laughs> very excited about. Yeah, it's called Moon, um, and uh, I've started a label with. Um, my longtime manager and best friend, and the label is um, is based on the idea that, like, as an artist, that you can create a career for yourself where, like, your health and well-being is also part of it. And so we're just doing things a little bit differently this time around, and also in the planet. Um, and that's the kind of idea behind it. And so, yeah, I'll be starting to do shows, which I'm very nervous about because it's been like six years. <laughs> ah! Uh, <laughs> but um, hopefully I'll see you guys at one of those. Um, and then the children's story, geez, Louise. Um, I mean, I wrote, I wrote that so long ago and then, uh, and then it just needs an edit and it needs like such a deep edit that I haven't had time. But I am writing a script right now and it's like, um, getting close to being done on the first draft, so that there will be more to come on that one as well. That's awesome. Wonderful. Awesome. Move over, Drake. <laughs> we got <laughs> no, a fresh one. No competition. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, that's, yeah. Wonderful. Okay, well, we would love to open it up to the room. Does anyone want to come forward? Yeah, please. Here we go. Here we go. Hi, uh, my name's Lexi, and hey. I was wondering... What kind of tips do you have for an up-and-coming singer-songwriter? Yeah, well, first of all, like, super brave to be first up. My God, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, I would say to really, like, listen to your voice. There's a lot of pressure in the industry to sound like somebody else. And it can be a, a little bit of a harder road in terms of um, you can't, if, like, not fitting into a, the box but I would say, like, the thing that really helps people connect with your music on the deepest level is to have your voice and play an instrument and play more than one instrument if you can and, like, get people around you that want to play music that'll just play music for the love of it and, like, play, just play, enjoy it and always do it for you as well because the industry is tricky. So always do it for the love of it because nothing can take that away from you. Okay, thank you so much. You're so welcome. Good luck. That's awesome. Um, so, I'd like to ask, what house, Hogwarts house, do you think Queenie would be in if she had gone to Hogwarts? Mm. Personally, I think Slytherin, but I'm biased. Oh, Whoa. really? That's awesome. First of all, lovely outfit. <laughs> um, you know what? I, I, I feel like that's a question that if I answered it, I might get in trouble if I got it wrong, because I don't know. Um, because she never would have gone. But I can say that I took the quiz and I, oh, but I didn't take, sorry, I took the Ilvermorning quiz and I was in the serpent one, the horn yeah. serpent. serpent. So I feel like serpent and snake and like, but I don't know, maybe uh, that's me though. So <laughs> we'll see. Cool, thank you for your question. Hi. Oh, that's sorry. <laughs> Hi, I'm Rachel. Um, and so this is a really exciting thing for me, but I'm curious for you. How did it feel to be playing a Jewish character in such a big, important pop culture thing in our world like Harry Potter? It's super cool. It's super cool because um, my great, is she a great, great grandmother? Great, I think that's the line, but I'm sorry, family, if I've messed up the greats. Um, she, was, she was secretly Jewish. And, um, and she, her name was Ida Mae Stein, and yet she was like not allowed, and she was on the East Coast, and like, it just wasn't something that people were allowed to be in. So I think the fact that, like, we're, you know, we have Tina and Queenie Goldstein is just it's a really cool thing, you know? Like, it's um, diversity is important. And, like, I mean, I don't even know how that works in terms of the wizarding world and religion, but, like, I think it's just a really cool thing. I'm really proud of who she is. Thank you. You're welcome. Hiya. I think you can probably tug that down a little bit if you want. There we go. Perfect. Um, I wanted to be an actress when I'm older. Do you have any, like, advice for me? Well, that's a great question. And first of all, like, super brave to come up again. Um, I would say, you know, it's good to do plays. Good to do plays and get used to being on stage. And 
Um, and I mean, I don't know, I went about it in a really weird way because I came at it from music and then I went into it, but I'd say just to like, to act, to find friends, like as you get older, to, um, to find friends who like, find a friend who likes to write and then find a friend who's got a camera and find a friend who likes to make costumes and like make stuff because um, it's really hard for an actor to act alone like you can't, it's, it's tricky. So like it's a collaborative activity. So find friends and make things. I think that's the best advice. Make Thank a lot. You. Thank you. You're welcome. Hi, I'm Eloise and I wanted to know who is your favorite Hogwarts professor and who is your least favorite and why? Ooh, good question. Hagrid? He counts. <laughs> <laughs> he's such a big soft bear spirit I love him <laughs> um, ooh he's the least well I mean you know pff, Snape was always really interesting and great but then he did something you know he like I, can't, I, I was mad at him I'm very mad at him and so I guess so but I feel like that's sort of like obvious to, and I don't want to throw him under the butt oh uh, and like yeah Oh, you know who I don't like? I really didn't like? The substitute teacher, the mean one with all the cats. Umbridge. Oh. I like, and I feel like I'm, like, I love cats. I don't know why cats are coming up in negative connotations. That's not, I, not the takeaway I am Okay, good, system. good, good, good. No, um, but yeah, she was horrible. Yeah. Horrible, way worse than Snape. Yuck. Horrible lady. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Hi, I'm Molly. Uh, I just hi. I learned so much about myself through different Harry Potter characters, and I want to know: Has Queenie taught you anything about yourself, or did you find any parts of yourself in her, or something like that? That's a really cool question. Thank you. Um, yeah, you know what? It was an interesting thing. I was I've always been a little uncomfortable with my feminine side, which um, is uh, like an awkward thing to admit. But I I. I always kind of shied away from that. And with Queenie, there was some, she's so unapologetically feminine, like it doesn't even occur to her to not be. And like there's so much strength in that. And, and she enjoys, like she enjoys sense and she enjoys, like she enjoys her body and living in it in this like really unselfconscious way. And, and in order to play her, I really had to like loosen up in my own body. And, and I found that to be like such a cool gift. Really cool. Thank you. You're welcome. Hi, I'm Andy. And I was wondering how different is shooting the scenes with the beast? Does it take longer to film? Is it more difficult? How does that go? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it can be a bit more difficult, but like we, we had all of these incredible drawings and then for like certain things we had like puppets and, and, and so there was, they did a lot to help us imagine. And then you're, it's kind of like you are pl like playing like a kid, like we got to be kids again, basically. And so that was actually, it was challenging at first because like as an adult, you're kind of like, rrr, 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 it's not there, it's not there. I don't, where is it, you know? And then like, after, like oh wait, we're playing it's it's like oh it's there and and then I'm looking at it and and so yeah it was actually like it it was quite natural by the end thank you you're welcome hi I'm Margaret what was hi. your favorite scene to film and Fantastic Beasts mm. well there was um I mean the strudel scene was really fun yeah that was really 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 fun it, it was particularly fun because we were all four together and it was the very start of the film and we were just like so happy to be there and and then like there was like this ballet and everything was happening and we were all like so new to it and it was really fun it was really really genuinely fun um and then also there was a scene in uh in the department store where um it, it was actually much longer when we shot it but it was just really beautiful in there and it was silly it was like a fun kind of like we were creeping around and trying not to get caught and stuff. I mean, trying to uh, trying to catch the demi guys rather. It was Thank really you. Fun. Yeah. Hi, I'm Claire. Hi. Um, I'm 
really excited about this. I, you're my favorite character. Um, Thank you. I, my question is, if you could choose to have any of the Fantastic Beasts as an actual pet, which, which would you choose? Oh, interesting. Well, I mean, I already have a Niffler. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I might have a Demiguise, actually. Although that would be like really challenging for yeah. like when they want to yeah. disappear, but he seems like a really sweet kind of <laughs> kind of pet. Yeah, they're all naughty in their own way. Or Picket, Picket's like uh, Picket's so love Picket. Yeah, it's so endearing. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, I'm Cassandra. Hi. And I was wondering if you went to Hogwarts at the same time as Harry, who do you think would be your best friend? That's Queenies. such a cool. That is a cool question. Mm. I think, I mean, she'd probably like Ron a lot because Ron would make her laugh. And uh, I think she'd, I mean, I think she'd try and, and be part of the gang, but she's also kind of a, a loner in a way. So it would be whoever kind of wanted to make friends with her, it, like the, the best friend kind of thing. But I mean, I think she'd like Hermione a lot, but she might be a little shy around her. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Our last two questions here? Yeah, just the last two um, here, guys. What was the most challenging scene to make, like, shoot? Yeah, uh, I think probably the, the, the scene where Jacob gets obliviated in the rain, because it was sad. It was just really, really sad. Um, and, um, and I was, like, crying really hard, and then David, the director, was like, you don't need to cry that much. And I was like, but it's so sad. <laughs> 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 and uh, and and so it was just like I think it was heartbreaking because it it, uh, it just like felt a lot, but it was really hard to do the strudel as well because my mind was like, ah, don't let the potatoes fall and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, last question. Um, I was wondering, as an actress, mm -hmm. how do you sort of get in the role of the characters? Are you more of a method actor or do you do all in your head and that sort of stuff? Um, I think it's a combination. It's a combination of doing the work and like learning about her and like creating a backstory and thinking about how she might think and feel. And then also there's something very physical about Queenie in the, the sense of like the way that she talks and the way she walks and the way she holds her wand in her hands and like um, and 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 finding those little details about her. Like I'm doing it now. So <laughs> she uses her hand, her left hand, as much as her right and. Um, and also like the, the hair and the costume and everything. Like it's kind of from the ground up, right? It's like inside out becoming her. Thank you so much. Of course, thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much to Allison. Thank you to all of you. This was wonderful. Thank, thank you. Thank you.